I'm glad I did. I hope you have too. I hope there's been a time in your life where you met Him and where He became real to your life and you called on Him for salvation. Go ahead and take your Bibles and turn to the book of 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, continuing our series through 1 John. That ye may know. That ye may know. Most I think the most important thing that you can know is not am I going to be taken care of? You know, my is my retirement in order? Even though that's important, I'm all for preparing for that and planning. Uh, is you know, is my health going to be okay? You know, I'm all for watching your diet and trying to be healthy and all that. I'm all for it. Don't always practice it, but I'm all for it. But I tell you, the one thing that you want to know and you want to take take care of and have. Uh, settled in your mind is that knowledge of salvation. In the Bible, it talks about the whole putting on the whole armor of God, and it talks about putting on that helmet of salvation. And many people believe, and I, I believe that that's talking about not just salvation, but the assurance of salvation. That helmet that protects it protects your head. And you know what? If you don't know that you're saved, if you haven't got that settled in your in your mind and in your heart, then Satan. Guess what? He's going to go after you there, and he's going to he's going to get in your head. And oh, can God really, you know, use you? Like you're probably not even saved. Uh, you know, you're probably still going to end up in hell, and he's going to be able to just 
get you with all kinds of stuff. But when you've got your salvation settled, He can't worry you with that. I'm glad I don't have to lay around wondering if I'm going to go to hell. That'd scare me to death. I'm glad I don't have to worry about that. Um, I'm glad that I know that if, as long, you know, if I'm obedient to God, that He can use me. Because I'm saved. I'm one of His. He's going to take care of me. I don't have to worry about that. And so many things can be settled in our hearts and our minds when we know that we're saved. And we believe that you know you're saved not based on the works that you do. It's not based on whether or not uh, somebody's telling you you're saved. It's not about an experience. It's about the Word of God is where we ought to be able to base it. You ought to be able to take the Bible and say, hey, this, this is what the Bible says you have to get saved. And this is how I know that I'm saved. And there's uh, one of the reasons I've been putting the notes in there too to help you so you can take these things and study it. Underline it in your Bible. It's nice when you can take the Bible and you know, and you know where to go. Uh, it's like, and it can be a little tough to find sometimes. It's kind of like trying to find out the laws in our state or in our country. Uh, I've tried looking up some laws before. I remember uh, they had made a law about there's a law they made not too long ago for church vans, and that they can't be over ten passengers. They made all these goofy rules, and I've been trying to find out, but I've heard all kinds of different things about that law. I've heard that that law did get passed and churches can't have vans that seat more than 10 people. Uh, I've heard some people say that, well, they passed that law, but they decided they're not going to enforce it because uh, I've heard all kinds of different things. And I've been wanting to find out what the actual law is because I thought if we're ever able to get a church van, that would be nice, but I don't want us to go get one and then find out it's illegal. And you know what I found out just talking to people isn't the best way to find out because I keep getting all kinds of different answers. And I've been wanting to find the law, the actual law, but I can't find that I can't find that either. Our government's not real good at you know getting that information out there where it's easy to understand. And you know, thank God that the Bible uh, that you know while uh, sometimes it might be difficult, uh, if, you, if you look hard enough, you can find it there. And that there are people out there that, uh, that can show you. And I'm sure there's somebody out there that can point me in the right direction and show me what the actual law is. And I just haven't looked real hard yet, but uh, I plan on doing that. But the Bible, though, it's how we know that we're saved. It is the law. It is the Word of God. And so we're going to start reading today in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 11. And a lot of this we read, you might notice it's kind of repeating some of the things that we've already talked about. And in fact, a lot of what we're going to read, not only is it kind of repeating some of the things we've already talked about, but some of it's going to be getting repeated again later. But don't let that scare you. I'm not going to preach the exact same message. We're actually going to kind of take some of this and then go off of out of 1 John to kind of help you understand some things. We'll go ahead and start reading verse 11. It says, For this is the message that ye heard from the beginning, that we should love one another, not as Cain, who was of that wicked one, and slew his brother. And wherefore slew he him? Because his own works were evil, and his brother's righteous. Now I know it's been a couple of weeks since we did the last... Uh, message on these, but just kind of a, a reminder. Remember, we talked a couple weeks ago. Um, we read the first ten verses, 
And the Bible talked about how there's certain things that are not going to be in the life of the believer. That the works are going to be manifested. It's going to be there. It's going to be obvious. There's going to be things that are in the life of the believer. There's going to be things that are not in the life of a believer. There's things that's going to be in the life of a lost person that's bad. Things that are not going to be there that should be if a person's lost. And we can tell by their fruits, by their works. Alright? And so it would talk about that and then it gives an example of Cain. Cain, he was of that wicked one. Cain was not a saved person. Cain was not a righteous person. And Cain, it became apparent when he went and he killed his own brother. He killed his own brother. There was a reason because their works were different. Abel brought a lamb. Cain brought the fruit of the ground, the works of his own hands. And when God received Abel's and He didn't receive Cain's, Cain got upset. He got mad. And his true colors came out and he went and killed his own brother. So, we have that in verse 13. It says, Marvel not, my brethren, if the world hates you. Now, sometimes as Christians, you know, we kind of, the world doesn't like what we do. They don't like what we stand for. Sometimes there might even be some persecution. Maybe somebody who will mock or make fun or uh, criticize you for being a Christian. And so when that happens, people, they a lot of times get shook up a little bit. But the Bible says, marvel not at that. There's a reason for that. Our works are different than their works. I know in this country today, they say that we're all about diversity. And that's true until it comes to Bible believers. And it's been like that throughout history. If you read in the book of Esther, there was a man named Haman who hated the Jews. He hated the Jews and he said the reason for him is their laws are different than our laws. Now they had they were in an area where there was all kinds of different cultures and a lot of different beliefs and a lot of different gods, but there was something about the Jews God and there was something about the Jews religion that just burned him up. And the truth is, it was all those other ones, they were all basically the same thing. There was one clear different one, and that was the true religion of that time the Jewish religion, and he hated them. And while this world says they're all about the diversity, while our politicians say they're all about diversity and respecting everybody's beliefs and all that stuff, they say that because everybody's pretty much the same. But when it comes to true Bible believers, they're not very tolerant when it comes to that. They're not, they don't, uh, you can be diverse until you have real diversity and you follow the Bible. And the Bible says, Marvel not, brethren, if the world hates you. It says, We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And ye know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. You know, that's another thing we need to remember. A lot of people, they think, Well, I'm not that bad. I've never killed anybody. Well, I'm glad you haven't killed anybody. But when you're saying you're not bad because of that, remember, you're talking on man's standards. Guess what? It's As far as man is concerned, as far as our laws go, you can get away with hating somebody and you're not going to go to jail for it. But you kill somebody, that's a different story. But on God, according to God's standard, God doesn't want you doing either. God doesn't want you killing people and He doesn't want you hating somebody. And God says if you do, you're a murderer. And then uh, verse 16, Hereby 
perceive we the love of God because He laid down His life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. We shouldn't be killing people. We should be willing to give our life for somebody else. Why? Because we have that Spirit of Christ that's in us. The Spirit of the person who went and died for us and because of that we ought to be willing to do it for other people. Verse 17, But whoso hath this world's good, and seeth his brother have need, and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? He's basically saying, how can a saved person who knows that Jesus Christ gave His life for them, sacrificed everything to come to this earth and die on a cross for them, how can they realize that God has done that for them and then not go and help somebody else. How could that be? That doesn't make sense. And he says, My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. Tell you, Christians, we're real good at that sometimes. We see somebody has a need, I'll pray for you. You know, in word, oh man, I... Lord, Lord's going to provide. The Lord's going to take care of you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm here for you. But do we help them out? The Bible says don't just help them in word. Help them in deed. It says, And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before Him. For if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have confidence toward God, and whatsoever we ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us commandment. And he that keepeth His commandments dwelleth in Him, and He in Him, and hereby we know that He abideth in us by the Spirit which He hath given us. That last verse is what I want us to kind of focus on right now. It says, And hereby we know that He abideth in us by the Spirit which He hath given us. All these works and things that it's been talking about, it's saying if you're saved, you're going to do those things because you've got the Spirit of God in you. You're not going to be able to help it. If you don't have the Spirit of God in you, you're going to have, you have the Spirit of the devil in you, then you're, not going to, you know, then you're going to hate your brother. You're not going to love the other Christians. You're not going to love the works that they do because they're different than yours. And it says, And hereby we know by the Spirit which He hath given us. If you're saved today, God has given you His Spirit, His Holy Spirit. It dwells inside of you. And if it's there, it's going to produce some fruit. We saw that in some of the other passages. And and so what we're going to do in this message today is we're going to look at the fruit of the Spirit. The rest of chapter 3 is repeating much of what's been said before about loving the brethren. And But in verse 24, it says we can know we're saved by the Spirit that He's given us. So we've got to learn how to identify that Spirit. And the way that we identify that Spirit that's in us, if it's the right one, it's the same way that you would identify a fruit tree. How do you tell an apple tree is an apple tree? Well, you look at the fruit. If it has apples, you know it's an apple tree. If it's got pears, you know it's a pear tree. Or peaches or whatever it has, you know that my dad planted some fruit trees in his house at one time. and I might get the fruits mixed up in this, but he had planted a tree and he thought it was an apple tree. He 
He was sure was an apple tree. But after it was there for a couple of years and it started producing fruit, he realized that's not an apple tree. That's a pear tree. And you know, a tree expert, they could probably tell by looking at the seed, they could probably tell as soon as it's starting to grow. But the truth is, most of us aren't tree experts. And I know I'm not. I got to actually look at the fruit. And I mean, most of us, uh, myself included, we're not really experts when it comes to just, you know, none of us actually can just look at somebody and tell whether they're saved or not. But we can learn to identify fruits. And you can definitely do it in your own life and ask yourself what kind of fruit am I producing? I want you to go to Galatians chapter 5 in your Bibles. Galatians chapter 5. And we're not, and we, uh, if you notice, if you took some of those notes there, they were inside the bulletins. Uh, there's a lot of passages. We won't have time to get to all of these passages, but I challenge you to go home and take your Bibles and read these passages. Because there's so much in there. Boy, I wish we could take time to talk about all of it, but uh, we don't have time for that. But the fruit of the Spirit, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 16, uh, we're not, it says, And this I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then it goes on and it names off a bunch of bad things that are in that a, uh, a person who is walking in the flesh is going to be walking after. It talks about idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance. I mean, it goes on. I, I challenge you to read those. These are things that are not fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruit of the lost. And then in verse 22 it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. The fruit of the Spirit. That's what I want us to look at. It says in verse 24, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. So the fruit of the Spirit. Well, I want us just we're going to quickly go through these things, but I challenge you to take those notes, go in your Bible, and read about these things because they, if you're saved today, they ought to be in your life. Now, listen, I'm not saying that you're going to be perfect in these areas. I'm not even going to say that you're going to have every single one of them right now, but as you grow in Christ, okay, as you grow in Christ, which is what we're supposed to do after we get saved, these things should start producing in your life. We should eventually see these things. It's not going to happen overnight. It might not even happen in the first year. It may be several years, but it ought to be progressing. It ought to be seeing this. And the first one it says, the fruit of the Spirit is love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. It goes, if you read through that, it talks about charity, which is, which is a, it's an unconditional love. It's, it's a, a, an agape love, is what they call it. It's a godly love. It's a love, it's a, a charity. It's when you love somebody without expecting anything in return. A Christian shouldn't have a problem with that. As Christians, we, we shouldn't have a problem with loving somebody who's not does not love us. We shouldn't have a problem with doing kind things for somebody who's never done anything for us. Even somebody who maybe has done evil to us. Why is that? Because that's exactly what Jesus did for us. He loved us even before we loved Him. He died on the cross to save us from our sins. He does good to us when we don't deserve it. That's, and His Spirit dwells in us if you're saved. 
Therefore, that love, it shouldn't be impossible. It may be difficult. The Bible says there in that passage, or in, uh, there in Galatians, it says that we've crucified that flesh. So that flesh, it's still there. We still have that nature that says, you know, curse them that curse you. But we've got also got a spirit that says, bless them that curse you. And as we grow in Christ, we learn to say no to our flesh and yes to that spirit that's in us. And we go on and we do good things for others even when they don't deserve it. That's the spirit, the fruit of love. Well, I've known some people who claim to be saved, but it seems like they just hate everybody, especially Christians. I've talked to people before. I'll be out knocking doors, inviting people to church, and then somebody will come. Oh, I used to go to church, and yeah, I went to that church, but you know, I just I couldn't stand all them hypocrites there. I just couldn't stand the people there, and they'll start criticizing people in the church, and they'll just start saying all this bad stuff about people. It's like, wow, I didn't realize we went to church to serve people. I didn't realize we went to church because we love people. That was because we love God. Yes, guess what? There's always going to be people in the church that get under your skin a little bit. That maybe your personality clashes with their personality. It's going to be that's going to be that way. But guess what? The Bible says we ought to love those people. We love them anyway. They might not be the most lovable people in the world, but we ought to love them because God loved us even when we were unlovable. And His Spirit, it dwells in us. And if it's there, it's going to produce that fruit. And you're going to love others. And 1 John talks a lot about that. 1 John 4, the next chapter. I mean, it's all about, it's all about love. But another fruit of the Spirit is joy. The book of Philippians, the whole book of Philippians, it is joy is mentioned many times. Joy, rejoice, there's much said about joy in that passage. But there's a verse that Paul says in verse uh, chapter 4, verse 4. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, Paul's talking about rejoice. He says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And the amazing thing about that whole passage, I mean, all the talk that Paul does about rejoicing and about joy, the book of Philippians is what is known as one of the prison epistles. Paul wrote the book of Philippians in prison. Now, you would think if he's in prison, he's not going to, you know, that'd be a hard place to have joy. I have a tell. I'm just going to be honest. If I'm sitting in prison, or if I'm sitting in jail, I'm going to. Have, I think it'd be hard to rejoice. But there's another passage in the book of Acts where Paul and Silas, after being whipped, were in the jail singing. I mean, this guy, he knew how to rejoice. This guy had joy in his life. They were singing in the prison. And the Bible says that an earthquake came and the chains fell off them and the doors were open and that uh, they could have escaped and they didn't. And that jailer, he came to them and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Why did he ask him that? Well, how did he know that they could tell him how to be saved? Why was he interested in what these guys had to say? Because these were the guys that were singing while they were in jail. These were people that had joy. Listen, if we're going to 
be any kind of influence in this world today. We ought to, we ought to have joy. We shouldn't be the most miserable people on the face of the earth. Nobody likes to listen to old grumps. Nobody likes to listen to miserable people. Nobody wants to get advice from somebody who's unhappy. You don't want to go get marriage counseling from the person who has the most miserable marriage in all the world. People don't want to listen to them. They like happy people. And I'm not telling you, I'm not telling you to be fake, but we ought to have some joy in our lives. We ought to have something to sing about. I mean, there's nothing wrong with smiling. I know these days, people, you don't see a lot of smiles out there. You don't see it a whole lot. I'm not telling you to walk. I'm not telling you to walk around, you know, all goofy and fake. I mean, I'm not telling you to be Joel Osteen or something like that. I mean, that guy smiles so much it makes my face hurt. But boy, you ought to have joy in your life. It ought to be obvious. You ought to be a happy person. That's part of the fruit of the spirit. You're going to have joy. Even when things are bad, it doesn't mean that you're going to listen. You get sick, or you find out you have cancer, or you lose a loved one. I'm not saying that you got to go skipping around and leaping for joy and things like that. But boy, you ought to still have a joy inside you that says, "Hey, this thing does take me out. I know where I'm going. I can have joy." If if you're sick, listen. I don't like being sick. I'm miserable when I'm sick. But you know what? There ought to still be a joy in your heart that says, hey, you know what? God can take care of this. I'm going to be alright. I have a joy that's in me. Paul had that even when he was in prison. And he said we ought to always be rejoicing in the Lord. But also another fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, and then peace. You know, peace is the one thing that people are really looking for today. That passage we just read in verse 7, he said, "...in the peace..." of God which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Peace which passeth understanding. You know, the reason, one of the reasons that we've got the drug problem that we have in our country today and the, the alcohol problem, the, I mean, all those things is because people are looking for some peace. They're stressed out. Many of them, they're miserable. Maybe they're sad, and a lot of times they turn to those things because it gives them a little bit of peace for just a short time. But the truth is, real peace doesn't come from a bottle. It doesn't come from a pill. It doesn't come from any kind of chemical. The real peace, it comes from God. You know, I'm all for having peace on the earth. I don't like war. I believe it's necessary sometimes, but I don't like it. I don't like it, but you know what? You can have peace even if if the country is in the midst of war. Because that peace of God, it passes all understanding. It's a peace that the world can't understand. That's why we, as Christians, you know, we shouldn't be despairing all the time and miserable. I've I've talked before. I've known people that, boy, you know, they'll raise their hand for a prayer request and you know, be praying for this situation. It's like I know the chances of us making it through this are pretty slim, but pray for it. And you know, and they're still miserable. Pastor, you pray for me in this situation. I've got faith. I believe God's going to take care of it. And you know, you pray for them, and they pass out from stress, you know, and just and grief because they're just they're so worried. But listen, God, God's going to give you peace. His Spirit, it's going to give you peace. You know that everything's okay no matter how crazy this world gets. You know that God is always in control, and that God can take care of whatever situation that you're in. And you'll have peace knowing that. 
Listen, if we wanted, we could worry about all kinds of things. I mean, people die every day. Old people, young people, kids die. I could sit around worrying about those things. But you know what? God gives me peace. I don't have to. I don't want to lose anybody in my family. I don't want I don't want to get cancer. I don't want any of those things to happen to me. It could happen to me. But I thank God I have peace in knowing that nothing could happen to me that God doesn't allow to happen. And God's going to take care of me. And even if things don't go the way I want them to, more than anything, I just want to glorify God. And God will be glorified in whatever happens to me. And I have peace in knowing that. And peace, more than anything, that's what people want. They just want some. They want some peace. If I could only, if I only had more money, then I could have financial peace. Money can't buy you peace. The real peace it only comes from that. It's one of those fruits of the spirit. It only comes from Christ. Also, long suffering, love, joy, peace. Long suffering. Ephesians chapter four, verse one through seven says, "I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that ye walk worthy of vocation wherewith ye are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as ye are called." and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, and is above all, and through all, and in you all, and unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Long suffering. Notice how he says in verse uh, 2, says with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. You know, I I scratch my head a little bit about Christ, people who say they're Christians and can't seem to put up with anything. You know it says forbearing one another. You know, once again this goes back to you know loving people and things, but in in the house of God you're going to have to be long suffering with people sometimes. You're going to it's just going to happen. People are going to come along, they're going to be a pain in the neck, they're going to drive you nuts. Maybe they sit right behind you all the time and they sing off key and it just drives you crazy. And you know what? You're going to have to be long suffering. Maybe they come and maybe they don't smell the best. And they always want to sit right where you sit. You know what? You've got to be long-suffering. You've got, to, you've got to learn to just deal with some things. And not just, not just in the church, but even out in the world. Maybe you've got a neighbor that just drives you crazy and you want to wring his neck. But you know it's like, no, I'm a Christian. I can't do that. And so you're long-suffering. You can put up with it. You can do it for a long time. Because God gives you the ability to, to do that. Maybe before you're saved, you would have you'd have just punched him in the nose. But now God's given you some long suffering and you've learned how to deal with those things. But not even just with dealing with people, but even in your own life. Sometimes uh, the, you know, people they deal with maybe physical things that are painful. Paul talked about a thorn in the flesh that he had. Nobody knows exactly what that was. Three times he prayed that God would remove that from him. God said, my grace is sufficient for thee. He didn't remove it. There's people that they're there at church. They're there every week. And maybe they're there and they're in pain. They're not feeling good. They've got different physical problems. But you know what? They're long-suffering. You wouldn't even know it. Boy, some people, I mean, boy, they get the sniffles and that's all you're going to hear about. I mean, all they're going to do is talk about that little that pain that they got in their back, or that pain they've got 
in their neck and every little thing that bothers them. They make sure the whole world knows about it and it keeps them out of doing absolutely everything that they ought to do. But a person in their long-suffering, you almost wouldn't even know it half the time. I think I've, some of you folks, as I've gotten to know you, I find out some of the things that uh, you know, the situations or physical things that you're dealing with in your own life. It's like, man, I had no idea. I had no, I had no idea. I, I couldn't tell. If I went through something like that, I'd be, I would think that I would be miserable and I'd have a bad attitude. But you know what? It was God's grace that got you through it. God gave you that uh, fruit of the Spirit of being long-suffering. And you've dealt with that. And you've moved on. And you've done it. You know, it was God that helped you with that. And I know, I know He'd do that for me too if that happened. But long-suffering, it's one of the fruit of the Spirit. But also gentleness. 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verse 24, "...and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient." In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God preventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Gentleness is the fruit of the Spirit. I'm glad that that I'm glad that God helps us with that because that's also not one of my just normal personalities. You know, it would be a whole. I I, I wish the Bible said. You know, I almost wish the Bible said sometimes that the way you know that we could make people get saved. It'd be easier to make people get saved. You know, it'd be nice if baptism got into heaven. All you need to do is get a couple guys together, you know, tie them up, throw them in the water, pull them out. They're good. It'd be easy. But you know, it, 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 uh, I like you know, and me to my personality, I like I like hearing preachers every once in a while that are just me. Alright? I, I usually don't have them here because I'm not you know I'm not necessarily saying it's right, <laughs> but I enjoy it sometimes. I kind of get entertained by it. And boy, some guys I've heard, man, they're just mean. I mean, they get up from the pulpit. And they just scream at everybody, and they call them names, and they're just flat out mean. They'll they'll point them out right there in front of everybody. And you know the Bible says the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle. Fruit of the Spirit, gentleness. Okay, and I'm you ought to be able to do that. You ought to be able to be gentle with people. You uh, you know I there's it's it's going to come with the fruit of the Spirit. Sometimes, listen, I'm going to be honest, sometimes I want to be mean. Sometimes, you know, you just get bad, you're in a bad mood, you get a little frustrated. It's like, man, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to let it rip today. Man, I'm just, I'm going to preach on everybody's sins. I'm going to, I'm going to even preach against things that aren't wrong. I'm going to, you know, and it's, it's easy to get that way. But you know what the Bible says? We need to be gentle. We talked this morning at Sunday school about, you know, trying to, you know, convince people of something. And, you know, it's, it's real easy sometimes to just want to get bad and just maybe even get in their face a little bit. Maybe you're not like that. Maybe I'm just talking about myself right now. But the Bible says that we need to be gentle. Gentleness. Part of the fruit of the Spirit. We need to sometimes, you know, take it easy on people a little bit. Be merciful with them. If somebody's going through a hard time, listen, somebody's in the hospital, maybe they got in a car wreck or something, you know, you don't go up to them and say, you know what? You're lucky to be alive right now. This car wreck is probably God's judgment on your life because you're such a sorry Christian. You know, hey, no, that's not what we're supposed to do. We've got to be gentle. Maybe that is why they're there. <laughs> but guess what? We probably shouldn't be going and saying that to them. We need to be gentle. Gentleness. Say that's not me. That's not my personality. No, but it is a part. It is the personality of Christ. 
It is a part of His Spirit. And if His Spirit is dwelling in you, if you'll allow yourself to step out of the way, you can show that gentleness to other people. It's there. It's there. If the Holy Spirit's inside of you, the gentleness is there. If it's not inside, if it's not inside you, well then, we've got another story. You may not be able to find that. But another one of the fruits of the Spirit, goodness. <clears throat> Romans chapter 2, verse 4, Or despiseth thou the riches of His goodness, and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. Notice I said the riches of His goodness. God's got enough goodness to go around. God's got enough goodness that He can put some of that in you and you can be good to other people. And the Bible says that there in that passage, it's the goodness of God that leads man to repentance. You know, I think we would be more effective soul winners and witnesses for Christ if we would do more good works. And you think, ah, oh, you know, I just that's not me. Well, maybe it isn't you, but it is the Spirit that you claim is dwelling inside of you, and it'll help you do those things. You'll be able to do those good works for other people. Listen, once again, that's why we don't do good works to get saved. We do good works because we are saved. Because that spirit, it's a part of that spirit that dwells in us. And we could talk for a long time about good works. Where we have more of these we need to go through. But goodness, it's going to be there. Faith. We talked about faith in Sunday school this morning. So I, just, I don't, I just, I can't seem to have faith. I, I, I can't believe that God can hear my prayers. Well. Something's wrong. Listen, listen, I'm not saying that you're going to be able to move mountains as soon as you get saved. But your faith ought to be able to grow. It ought to be growing as you become, uh, as you, the longer you're saved. My faith, it's not what it should be, but I can say that my faith is growing. It's growing all the time as I see God do things in my life. In Hebrews chapter 11, that whole chapter, it's all about faith. I encourage you to read that chapter. Hebrews 11, great, great passage about faith. If the Holy Spirit's in you, you can have that kind of faith. It'll be there. It said it's not. It might not be huge right away, but it's going to grow because it's it's there. It's a part of that fruit of the Spirit. And then uh, number eight, meekness. This is another one. This is not really my personality. Colossians chapter three, verse twelve. But it is the personality of Christ. If His Spirit's in your spirit, it's going to be there. It says, Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye meekness. Uh, you know, we can do a whole message on every one of these things. But meekness, that's where... You know, it's a strength that's under control. You know, I'm, if somebody, maybe you're witnessing to somebody, maybe there's other people around, and you might have the ability to make that person look like an idiot. You know, maybe you're really good at arguing, maybe you're really good at debating, and you're good at winning arguments, and you have the ability, you could really make that person look bad. But you know, a person who's meek says, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to keep my mouth under control, and I'm going to approach this with meekness. I'm not going to have a cocky, arrogant attitude about it. A lot of times, Christians, we can be that way because we have the Word of God and maybe we, maybe you know you're right. You go walking around like you're something special because of that. We're supposed to show meekness. And meekness, 
instructing those that oppose themselves. We don't go up to somebody, if somebody's, maybe they've been taught wrong. Maybe they were taught that you had to be, the only way to heaven was through good works. You don't go to that person and say, start laughing at them and say, what? Do you not know how to read? But what's wrong with you? That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. No, you do it with meekness. Hey, I can understand where you're coming from. I can understand how you would think that. You know, it's hard to imagine that God would allow somebody as sorry as us to go to heaven. I could totally understand why you would think that good works would get you to heaven. But you know what? I used to think that, but I figured out, or I learned through the Word of God that it's not about works because none of us could ever be good enough. And that's why Jesus Christ had to come and die on the cross. He had to do the work for us. And if we'll just believe Him and trust Him, He'll save us. You do it with meekness. And that's in everything that we do. You know, as Christians, uh, you know, we live quite a bit different than the world does sometimes. You know, uh, we believe in. Oh, there's a lot of biblical principles. Maybe you follow with how you raise your family or or in your marriage. And a lot of times we get to getting all cocky about it. Don't do that. Show meekness. You say it's not me, but it is Christ. And if His Spirit's in you, you'll be able to do that. And then the last one we see there is temperance. Titus chapter two verse one. But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and in patience. That word temperance, it's the same where we get the word temper. Alright, have you ever heard somebody say, I lost my temper? And a lot of times they'll use that to justify something bad that they just did. But the truth is, if you're saved, God's going to help you with that self-control. Say, none of these things are my personality. I'm just not a loving person. It's not my fault. You know, my dad never said I love you growing up, and so I have a hard time loving people. I'm not a very joyful person. That's just not my personality. I don't. Uh, I'm just. You know, I, I can't have peace. I, I worry about things. I've got anxiety problems. You know, we, we can go through all these things. But and we. And, but the Bible says, or lastly, of all these fruits of the spirit, that temperance. God can help you with those things. He will help you. It's one of the fruits of the spirit. Say, you know, maybe I've heard people before they were saved. They'll talk about how they had a temper, man. They. I mean, they just rather punch somebody as soon as look at them. And they talk about all the things that they used to do and the bad habits that they used to have. But then it always ends, then the Lord saved me and He changed my life. It wasn't easy at first, but He gave me the victory. You know what that was? That's called the fruit of the Spirit. It's in the life of every person who's truly born again. That it doesn't all blossom overnight. But it will show over time. And I'm sad to say that I've known people who've claimed to have been saved for years and years and yet never seen any fruit. They don't love the brethren. They don't, they don't have peace. There is no joy in their life. Some of the most miserable people you ever meet in your life, they don't have any, none of these things there. You can't find them anywhere. And there's, if that's the case, there's something wrong. Because if you're saved, it's both, if you're saved, the same Spirit that dwells in me should be dwelling in you too. And I know, know for some of us, I said a lot of times our old nature it gets in the way, and that fruit of the Spirit has a tough time showing itself. 
But once again, with what we talked about before, when that happens, the chastening hand of the Lord is going to be on us. And if that Spirit is really there, it will eventually produce fruit. By your fruits you shall know them. Jesus said that. You'll know them by their fruits. You can know a tree by their fruits. And you can know whether you're saved or whether you're lost by the fruits that are in your life. I know that might sound... Some of that might sound kind of harsh, but that's Bible. That's what the Word of God says. The fruit of the Spirit. And He names them off. They ought to be there. And if, and if, uh, if they're not, maybe you haven't got victory yet, but they ought to be growing in your life. And hopefully, right, maybe right now you got a temper. But you know, if you're saved, you need to ask God to help you with that. And He will. He will help you with that if you're saved. And you will be able to get control over that. So let's all stand together right now with their heads bowed and eyes closed. And we want to have a first invitation. Joseph, you can go ahead and get ready.